This podcast is published by MDA National to support doctors in managing common medico-legal issues. Hello, it's Norman Swan here. Welcome to another podcast on medical legal issues where you can receive practical wisdom, practical tips and interesting case studies. Today I'm talking to Professor Trish Williams about cybersecurity and how to protect your practice. Trish is co-director of the Flinders University Digital Health Research Centre and is internationally recognised for her expertise in medical information security. What do we know about the extent of cyber attacks and ransomware in medical practice? We have quite a lot of information about what happens in terms of cyber attacks. So a cyber attack is when one computer system effectively attacks a network or another one. And it has the objective of trying to disable or deny access to the computer or the data or its services, or you're trying to gain access into that computer to be able to manipulate the data, for instance, or use um, other things on that computer. And the reason it's important is because it has an impact on privacy of patient data, obviously, of reputation for the practices, integrity of the data, and ultimately clinical decisions and patient safety. So there are lots of factors that impact the environment that we have in healthcare. There's a distinct lack of security expertise. We have a lot of legacy equipment. And the way that we attempt to look at security uh, means that Often things go unreported or they're not even noticed that things have actually happened in the security environment. And can you give me some specific examples? Well, in terms of ransomware, for instance, one of the first... Let's define ransomware before you... Um, Typically, ransomware is distributed through phishing emails or files that people may have downloaded without knowing what they are or visiting particular websites that have malware on it. And when those files are opened or activated on the computer, what happens is they will then go off and run some code that encrypts particular files or in some cases the whole system and once that's done the user will get a a notification that they need to pay some money to be able to decrypt all of that information. Um, That has happened a number of times to medical practices and well to all sorts of businesses around the world and in Australia but the ones that have occurred uh, in Australia the the first one was the Gold Coast medical practice their system was actually uh, hacked into not specifically but by software that goes around looking for vulnerabilities in systems. It managed to get into their system. It encrypted their system and all of their data files. And unfortunately, it also encrypted all of their backups. So what happened with that practice? They did, in fact, find a backup from quite a long time before the event happened and they had to reconstruct all of their data starting from that and then re-enter a whole lot of data which is very obviously time consuming and ultimately the impact on cost is quite high. And when you talked about a phishing email this is not F-I-S-H this is P-H-I-S-H and let's not assume that everybody listening to us knows what you're talking about. So a phishing email is where you are sent an email that 
looks like it's real from, let's say, from your bank. And a lot of the emails are relatively good in the fact that it's sometimes it's quite difficult to distinguish something that is fake from something that's real. And it's asking you to click on a link or download a file. Um, and when you do that, it then will download that file and it, it obviously is not what you were expecting or it wasn't actually the site that is the real site. How do you recognise a phishing email? And, and I should pre- preface this by saying that every single person in your practice who is dealing with email needs to be trained on this. This is not just for the doctor. So if the emails don't necessarily address you in person and are of very general nature, that's one indication. Also, for some reason, there is usually spelling mistakes um, in a lot of these emails. Also, if it's asking you to click on a link, then you should always be very careful about doing that in emails anyway. So you should never click on links within emails unless you're absolutely sure that you know where they've come from. And if you think it's suspicious, you should just delete it. Absolutely. Okay. So let's go through to the A to Z of securing your system. So the first thing that you need to make sure that you're doing is backing up all of your data. How often? End of every day? Three times a day? Once a week? Mostly people would do it once a day. You can have backups now that incrementally will be copying stuff all of the time, but it depends on the size of the practice and also how much has been invested in being able to to have those backups being automated. The other thing that should happen is they should be cycled, so therefore you're not overwriting the same backup all of the time. And it's always... So what does that mean, that you've got two separate backups or what? If you're in a, in a small medical practice and you're still doing a backup to, let's say, to disc or to somewhere else, you should have one for each day of the week and, and a, a weekly one and also monthly ones. And, and some of them you should keep for a period you know of a year so the weekly ones it's called a grandfather backup so you would use the weekly ones repeatedly each week but you will have ones that you keep over a period of time which ones are they the monthly backups that you keep probably for a year and you would also have end of year or end of financial year type of backups and you should have some of these stored off-site most general practices would have a backup system where if it isn't being done online that they could take a backup home with them the following morning from the last night so that you've always got something that you can go back to it's sort of common sense in a way because if the practice was to suffer a fire for instance then your backups would disappear anyway so you should always have something that's not on the same premises and and given that you've got to be you know the the backups got to be connected to your computer system how is this, you know, at its most basic, a disk or a drive that you just plug in and then plug out or uh, so that it's not online the whole time? And, and how secure are the various cloud backups that uh, organizations like Amazon offer? When you're having an online type of backup, so whether it is just plugging in another disk and then being able to unplug it or having it connected across your network to a separate machine, you would have a lot of those things connected all the time, but you don't have to have them connected all of the time. And the backups, so once a backup had been done, you can do some things in software where you will actually disconnect that connection so that it's not there all the time. 
And also the online cloud storage backups, they are very secure. It depends on obviously who your provider is and within the agreements that you have with those provider and their services, they will guarantee different levels of security. At the very basic, your backups should be encrypted regardless of whether or not they are ones that you take home that that you can remove or even if they are done across a network then you should have a backup that's encrypted so that if someone does get their hands on it they can't read it because it's not just about denying access to your um, to the backup or the data it's also so that if someone was to steal the data they couldn't read it or use it and if you suspect there's a cyber attack you need to make sure that if you if you think there's a cyber attack going on at that particular point in time, you should disconnect whatever connections you have, for instance, to the internet. You shouldn't necessarily switch off all your systems because whatever is happening, if people need to be able to come and have a look at that and determine what the cause of it was, it's better to have it in the state that it was in when it happened. So it's not necessarily a good idea to turn your systems off. But you should make sure that you disconnect things from the internet if possible and then seek some help from your IT or your security providers. And what about passwords? You need to make sure that you are changing your passwords regularly. This is always a bit of a problem because passwords are major algorithm for reliance on security. But in fact, we're terrible at passwords. Your ability to remember complex passwords is not terribly high as a as a human being. And also we have so many passwords these days that people tend to use the same ones. That is a problem, but it's also the fact that you don't change your password very often or you're not forced to. So while that's an inconvenience, what it means if someone does get hold of your password, they then don't have continual access. So one of the reasons for changing passwords is that if something does happen or someone has been able to get into your system, that they can't continue to get into your system. Are there any other technical or human issues that need to be confronted? There there needs to be much better education of users in terms of being aware of the things that happen with security. There are obviously a lot of technical measures that can be done and practices need to make sure that they are getting appropriate expertise and advice from people who understand not just IT but actually security because your IT person may not be experienced in security and so being able to make sure that you have sufficient security or what we'd call layered security for protection so that you're not you know you're doing those things like backing up your data making sure that your systems are patched that you have the latest update on the antivirus programs that you're using The staff are trained well on what to look for, as well as making sure that they have a continuity plan for the practice. One of the things that is poor in healthcare is the resiliency to recover from incidents of any sort. You need to have good plans in place so that you know what to do when an incident happens. And also, how are you going to continue providing care to patients or running the business when you don't have access, for instance, to your computer system? The you know contingency plans are really important in terms of how you actually run your business. Is there any risk from mobile applications on your smartphone to the system as a whole? But for example, doctors couldn't go into their booking system on you know remotely and check who you know, what's 
what's on at their practice. If, if people are using those sorts of applications, then they should have some mobile device management plan in place. And there are programs that you can have. So if you are connecting to your clinical systems or your business systems from your mobile, you can have special software that actually will help you control that. And also it encrypts the communications between your phone and the system and allows you then to have a secure connection. So in summary then, um, your whole practice has got to be security aware. You've got to have processes in place. At the front end, it's about passwords. You've got to have backups available. Don't click on suspicious emails. And, and lastly is that if you do suspect something's happened or even if you know it has, then you need to make sure that you're understanding what, what happened and why it happened and then rectifying the, the gap that was in your security measures so that you can uh, obviously not have that same problem occur again. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Here to support you, visit MDA National's website at mdanational.com.au or call 1-800-011-255 for tailored advice specific to your situation, career stage or policy. The information provided is based on the personal experiences of the doctor speaker and does not constitute medico-legal advice from or by MDA National.